With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Welcome back, Cracked fans, to another edition of the Cracked Interviews Podcast. I'm your host, Alex Gruskin. It's been a very busy but very fun stretch here at Cracked Rackets. We've had so much tennis to cover and break down over these past couple of weeks. On the professional tennis front, the first Grand Slam of the 2020 season, the Australian Open officially in the books. Novak Djokovic, Sofia Kennan emerging as our first champions. Jamie McDonald and I recapping their final matches, recapping uh, the larger storyline and narratives coming out of that first major of the 2020 season on our Great Shot podcast. We also happen to do that episode live on video on YouTube, so anyone who has missed out on any of the Australian Open content they're feeding for a little bit more Grand Slam coverage, be sure to go check that podcast out. And if you want to see our smiling faces, uh, go check out the feed on YouTube as well. On our mini break this week, we've talked about all of the other things going on in the tennis world. There was challenger action last week as well as college tennis action galore. Matt Stokowiak, Chris Halioris, Jamie McDonald, our usual mini-break crew uh, breaking down all of that action. You can find, of course, both the Great Shot Podcast and the mini-break podcast on our website, crackrackets.com. Of course, on Apple, Spotify, Stitcher, wherever you listen to your podcasts, you can find those feeds as well. And if you've missed any of the links, go to our social media page, Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, YouTube. Uh, it's all the accounts at Cracked Rackets, and I promise you'll be able to find what you are looking for what you're looking for today. Who am I interviewing on today's Cracked Interviews podcast? I'm thrilled to say we had a fantastic interview with the head coach of the University of Wisconsin men's tennis team, Danny Westerman, on today's podcast. Coach Westerman and the Badgers hosting the uh, men's national indoors a couple of weekends from now, or maybe when you're listening, it's this upcoming weekend. Not exactly sure when we're releasing this podcast, but look, it was such a fun conversation with Coach Westerman, who clearly loves college tennis, is so knowledgeable about the sport. Another one of these exceptional personalities, exceptional people uh, leading one of the top programs in the country, and you know you can understand why a Power Five uh, conference team would uh, see the appeal in Coach Westerman. He, of course, is an alum, former three-time All-Big Ten player at Wisconsin, had so much success during his first head coaching stint at the University of Denver. Uh, And it sounds like Coach Westerman is thrilled to be back home. It's where he always wanted to be. He talks about uh, how he uses his experience as a Badger to connect with his current team, the conditions when you're playing in Madison, how that affects your coaching philosophy, what you can can and can't do development wise during the season. Uh, he talks about the way college tennis, the ways college tennis has changed uh, since he entered the game all the way back in 1998. Just so much fun with Coach Westerman too. He's also quite the character, a really funny guy. So I promise you guys are going to enjoy this conversation. And with that, let's hear from the head coach of the University of Wisconsin men's tennis team, Danny Westerman. Joining us now on the Cracked Interviews. Uh, 
podcast as a former University of Wisconsin tennis player himself, where he was a three-time All-Big Ten first-team selection. Uh, This is a guy who has been in the college tennis circle for quite a bit of time. He was the head coach at the University of Denver, where he led the team to the NCAA tournament on five separate occasions. He has now taken over his former program, the head coach of the University of Wisconsin Badgers, Coach Danny Westerman. Welcome to the Cracked Interviews podcast. Thanks for having me. That's quite an intro. I feel uh, feel very special right now. <laughs> you deserve to, Coach, and I will say as a fellow Big Ten guy, uh, it resonates the idea of going back to my school, doing something at Michigan. Just let's start there. Being back at your former program, that's got to be a dream come true, right? Uh, it absolutely is. Uh, you know, during my time here, I, I realized very quickly how special this place is and um, you know, Pat Klingelholz gave me an opportunity where most places didn't, and um, it really, it really thrived here. Met, met some of my best friends, met my wife here. She was on the tennis team here as well. So uh, this place, she's from Madison, so we have a lot of roots here now. And uh, you know, got into this profession at first to hopefully take over this program. And uh, you know, sometimes you got to go away to come back. So uh, it was, uh, it was a special feeling for me and my family to come back and. Uh, trying to work hard and and make all the Badger alumni proud every single day. Uh, And I think you have certainly done a good job thus far. I believe you graduated in 2002, correct? So you mentioned you uh, always hoped to someday come back to that Wisconsin program. Did you know you always wanted to be a college tennis coach? You know, I I didn't, but I I loved it so much. I think half my team knew it before I did. Uh, (laughs) They would joke around all the time, uh, you know, which which program I'm going to start out with and be an assistant, a volunteer, and and things like that. So um, it was an ankle surgery after I, I graduated. I was trying to trying to give it a go on the futures tour and and um but i came back for ankle surgery and came and became the volunteer and that's kind of when i got my my feet wet so to speak and really fell in love with it and, and being on the court with the guys so um didn't know it while i was in college so always thought maybe in the back of my mind but uh you know that volunteer you really really opened the opened my eyes to the to the college coaching industry and was able to 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 kind of hedge my bets and go to grad school while I was the assistant here and and get my MBA so um it was a it was a good test run and fell in love with it and now I'm here yeah, and I, I should have mentioned this in your intro. In Once you graduated, you were, I think, the fifth three-time All-Big Ten selection at UW. This is according to your website, so if they're wrong, that's on them, but that sounds awfully impressive. Um, you claimed the prestigious Big Ten Medal of Honor. Uh, that sounds pretty cool. Can you talk a little bit about that? Uh, yeah, you know, I think... Uh, it might have been a down year for Badger Athletics because they selected me. So, um, but so we had some really amazing athletes here. Uh, but um, you know, it, it, it's really a, an award that that combines uh, you know academic and athletic um, achievements and excellence. So, um, like I said, may, they were they were maybe skimming the bottom of the barrel that year. So, uh, lucky to have it. It, it is a it is a, a, a huge honor. Um, quite frankly. And, uh, you know, I think uh, I I care a lot about my schoolwork. I care a lot about the tennis. So uh, nice to to have uh, an award that, uh, you know, um, honors both. So, uh, yeah, that's it was a a cool piece. It's in my office. And uh, I appreciate the reminder. You're really buttering me up this time right now. (laughs) 
<laughs> no, I, I can feel your cheeks turning red. Just know that mine are as well. Um, but the reason I want to emphasize that is we've had the privilege of getting to interview a lot of these coaches for the top programs. And I just like to keep emphasizing to the listener the quality of person uh, that get to lead these programs. Awards like that uh, sort of demonstrate, you know, I, I think that's why the college game continues to raise to a higher and higher level because the qualities, the resumes of these coaches such as yourself, uh, they continue to get better and better as well. But yeah, enough flattery. You're actually not that good, coach. Um, no, I'm just kidding. Uh, I do want to talk about your Wisconsin program. I do want to talk about uh, the ITA National Indoors, which you guys will be hosting uh, in a couple of weeks. One more question about your past. While you were the coach at Denver, you led them to 123, 83-1 mark. And by the way, I guess part two of this question is you guys tied in tennis. I need to hear the story behind that. Uh, but you had the chance to coach a player named Henry Craig. And I'm a huge tennis nerd. And, you know, Henry Craig's a guy you see popping up on the futures, on the pro circuit, a, a hell of a tennis player. And, you know, a guy who may have been a little less heralded because he was playing at Denver, maybe not one of the biggest programs. Uh, but can you talk about, you know, both Henry as a player and how the quality of player, you know, that you can get a Henry Craig at Denver, it speaks to, you know, where the level's at right now in college tennis? Well, yeah, I mean, Henry was a phenomenal player. I think he was, I mean, he was certainly an overlooked junior. And, uh, you know, he was probably like a top 30 to 40, um, you know, tennis recruiting type recruit um, at the time when we spotted him. It was really my assistant, Chris Lamb. Uh, you know, he, he spotted him first, and then the conversation began. But, you know, he was pretty special. He knew he knew he was a different recruit, too. He wasn't really blown away with, you know, the Power Five and all that stuff and, and the, the big-time college football, college basketball atmospheres. He, he was really focused on, on getting, you know, a great education, but really getting an opportunity to play at the highest level. And I think we were able to share with him, you know, the development at Denver that we could offer him and really the level of competition we yeah, at Denver, we had a great schedule, and he would be able to be a starter immediately, whereas maybe at the traditional Pac-12 powers, you know, he would really be fighting for a spot because they're, they're so incredibly deep there. So, And I also told him a little bit of my story to leave L.A. and leave Southern Cal to, to sometimes, uh, you know, you got to go experience college. And, and uh, also there's, you know, when you're, a, when you're a bigger fish in a small pond, sometimes your development can go up that way too. So... Uh, he bought in, and I think he also loved the city of Denver. I think the the campus there is fantastic, and the city is, is tremendous. And uh, you know, we were we were doing some nice things there, and and he jumped on, and his development really went through the roof while he was there. Yeah, and the fact that he has been able to have the sort of success he's had on the pro circuit, uh, the level, you know, we see a bunch of college guys, the big names, obviously, the Steve Johnsons, the Kevin Andersons on the women's side, uh, Nicole Gibbs, former NCAA champion, Danielle Collins, who made the uh, former NCAA champion, made the Australian Open semifinal last year. Uh, as someone who has been, you know, in college tennis since the start of this 21st century how have you seen the game develop do you think that the level of college tennis continues to rise oh it's, the depth is just phenomenal it's really phenomenal there's so many amazing coaches that there isn't a coach in the country you know at, at i think any power five and and most of the mid-majors, I mean, it is now completely full-time. I mean, when I was in school, you know, a lot of head coaches had to have country club jobs in the summer or tennis teaching jobs, or they were really focused on their summer camp. So uh, most places it is two full-time coaches, 
full-time volunteer assistants. So uh, that that alone, the level of coaching is, is through the roof. So kids are going to develop, and then also we're recruiting the best players in the world now. So college tennis is, is I think, in my opinion, better than ever. Uh, there's so much depth, and, I mean, Look at look at the Grand the Australian Open Grand Slam you know champions there. So you know we got college guys everywhere, and you know it's uh, it's, it's really a tribute to uh, I think all the coaches doing such a phenomenal job, and a lot of players buying into the developmental path that college tennis provides now. Did you and Rajiv Ram overlap in college? Was he maybe two years after you? You know we I think his freshman year was uh, when I when I already graduated. So. Um, he and I actually played a little bit, I think in the, in the future, we played a match. And so, um, you know, we'd see each other that way, but he, he was, I think an Oh three champion, if, if my math is correct. And I already was out. So, um, I was a volunteer when I saw that maybe one of the all time best teams ever, uh, go through the big 10 and, and really the whole country, maybe going, I don't know, 32 or 33 and oh or something that year. So, uh, pretty phenomenal, uh, team that he was a part of. Yeah, he's a heck of a tennis player, but brutal hairline. I mean, that thing has truly decayed over the years. But, yeah, it was a great result for him. But Joe Salisbury as well, of course, from Memphis for them to get the doubles title. That's so cool as college tennis fans. Uh, you talk about the quality of coaching and how that leads to player development. I think one of the things I've learned in you know, getting really uh, in-depth cover, uh, in covering this college game is the importance of the coaches, the culture that they set at these programs, the time each coach takes to develop each player. And each player is on their own, you know, needs their own special development path. No two players are exactly the same. Uh, for you, you know, coming back to your alma mater at Wisconsin, you had had success at Denver, but, you know, what is the coaching philosophy you wanted to bring back to your school and why is Wisconsin, you know, ultimately the place you wanted to end up? Well, I mean, Wisconsin, if you look at our entire athletic department, it is, uh, it is a hard hat, bring your lunch pill kind of place. Uh, you know, you got to come to work ready to work hard. And, you know, the Big Ten is, is turned into a national you know, power tennis conference. So uh, there's not a bad team in the Big Ten anymore, that's for sure. Uh, but really, it's it's not rocket science. Um, you know, we we have high admission standards, so we got to get guys that love to love to go to school, love to get the the homework done, but also really love the court even more. And um, you know, it, it, it takes time to build, and there's so many variables in place, but. The philosophy is simple. You're going to get a chance to play the best in the country. You know, you got Ohio State, you got Michigan, you got Illinois, you got three incredible programs. Minnesota's been in the round of 16, and you know, so there's there's a lot, a lot of great teams here. The depth is phenomenal. Northwestern has been very good. You can go down the line. So, uh, and a few years ago, when Greg Van Emberg was here, he took the Badgers to the round of 16. So, it, it's uh, it's definitely possible to 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 be a top 16 team here in the round of 16. Uh, you know, hopefully more often than not. So, but need to find guys that want to come here with something to prove. You know, uh, there's so many great options for for kids. And and uh, if you look at our basketball team, our football team, and and all of our sports, our women's soccer teams, and the winning Big Ten titles, uh, men's soccer a few years ago. So it is a grinded out type of place. And uh, if you work hard and believe in the work you're putting in, you get, you're going to pass some players up. So. Um, you got to come here with a chip on your shoulder. That, that's uh, looking for those kind of players, for sure. Yeah. What does it mean for your program to get to host an event like the ITA National Indoors to have 15 of the top programs in the country come to your home courts? Uh, you guys get to compete with them all weekend long. What does an ev- hosting an event like that do for your program? 
Well, it's really special. I think, you know, first and foremost, I think it's a, it's a way to showcase, uh, you know, Madison uh, to, to hopefully quite a few fans and, and the rest of the college teams that come in here. Um, it shows a commitment to tennis uh, from our own athletic department. You know, on the women's side, they had this here for many years while I was in school, and uh, I could just see the Madison tennis community really get behind it. So I'm also hoping hoping that the, the, the community takes full advantage to see all these amazing teams and, and so many future pros, um, you know, to come through here. Uh, we don't have professional tennis in the state here, so, uh, you know, this could be the, the, the grand slam of, of Wisconsin, so to speak. So, um <laughs> And then finally, we, we want to see the best. We, we want to continue to grow. I mean, the Big Ten, we play a great schedule, but this is a national championship. And, and I'll never forget, you know, going to watch the NCAAs uh, as, a, as a player when my senior year and watching the team event. You know, it's another level of, of emotion. I mean, the dog piles uh, between the players after every match and every point. So, Sometimes you got to be in it to understand what it takes, and, and I'm really eager for our guys to, to really uh, jump at this opportunity and, and play on our home course. We're, we're pretty good at home, uh, like most teams. Uh, I think uh, we play pretty good doubles at home especially, and um, hopefully that energy goes through the roof when we got all these teams here uh, in our building, all in one place, which is really cool, 12 court. Uh, I have gotten shit for saying this in the past, but I will stand by it. The Nielsen Tennis Center is one of my favorites in all of the country, and I have had some personal success there, so of course I'm biased. But, yeah, you get the 12-court layout. It's the beautiful, the two overhangs, so you can see all, all of the action going on everywhere. It's going to be a wonderful place. I'm a big fan of Madison as well. I always describe it as just friendlier Ann Arbor, and it's because it's a little bit colder, so everyone drinks just a little bit more, um, and it just makes everyone just a little bit friendlier. Uh, but I am really looking forward to coming up to Madison, and you talk about competing with the best. I think that's a good time to get into your team this season. Uh, you guys lost two seniors last year, but really the big loss for you guys, Oscar O'Hoyson, who, by the way, looks identical to John Millman, in my opinion. I don't know if you see the overlap. That's, funny. Overlap. Yeah. that's the first yeah. time I've heard that. That's hilarious. I'm gonna, I got I to gotta put a side-by-side for him and, and throw it out there. So. No, there's a spectrum. It goes Oscar and then Michigan's Connor Johnston and then John Millman. They all are in that same brand of, I guess, human. Um, but yeah, but for your yeah for your team, um, you know, you guys lose the two seniors, but you bring back you know five of your six starters from last year. Uh, all again, uh, two doubles teams. Should you choose to use them again, but. Uh, a lot of returners to your lineup. You guys, have, I believe, have raced off to a 7-1 and uh, one start to your season. How are you feeling about the Badgers heading into this 2020 dual match year? You know, we feel great. Like you said, we got a lot of returners, um, but we also got a great freshman class that, that I think is going to really help our team out. We got a, a really good American in, in Scott Scully and, uh, you know, two good international guys, uh, Robin Parks, who, who had a nice Big Ten fall tournament. And then uh, Gabriel Hoover, who's really starting to turn the corner as well. So, you know, we got guys with, with high aspirations on this team, but we're we've we've always been a win, uh, you know, win by committee type of program. Uh, a couple of years ago, when we made the tournament. We had we didn't have a single guy in, in the singles rankings. We didn't have a single team in the doubles rankings. But uh, our UTR power was really low. But we somehow were 27 in the country, made the second round of the tournament. So, we always need to find 
opportunities to get to four, and it starts with our doubles. And, uh, you know, uh, so we we're, we're have that same depth, I think, right now. And we should be pretty pretty darn good at every spot. And, you know, we got to make sure that uh, whoever's playing up top of the lineup really really believes in, in, in themselves and, and can go out there and compete. So, because, you know, the number ones, uh, you know, in, in the country, they're, they're phenomenal nowadays. So, um, you know, guys coming in with top 500 ATP rankings and, and such. So, but uh, our depth is tremendous. We're going to have a lot of different options, a lot of different combinations. That's what we've used these first, uh, you know, seven or eight matches to play around with lineups, give different guys different looks, different doubles teams. And, you know, we got a, we got a good match tomorrow against Marquette and next week against USC. And, and then, uh, you know, everyone's in town. So uh, we're, we're going to try to figure things out here very quickly. For our listeners who may not be aware, if you host the National Indoors, you don't have to participate in the ITA kickoff weekend because your place at the National Indoor Finals guaranteed. Uh, but you guys have played a lot of matches early on, you know, eight matches in January. I feel like that's on the heavier side of the schedule. Uh, is there a reason that's the philosophy you went with this year? Well, you know, we've we scheduled a few doubleheaders. Um, again, we it was really to, to figure out, you know, give a lot of guys different opportunities. So uh, it was heavier. The guys we we were, were monitoring our training because of this. Uh, we also started the year down in Miami to play uh, uh, a hidden dual event with uh, you know Texas, Miami, and Georgia. And um, so we, we've got a lot of tennis in, but again, it's we have a very, very deep team, and we're going to need all of all ten guys at, at a moment's notice. So, want to give that those guys those opportunities, and and then of course, you know, we got to we got to monitor that 500 rule. You know, when you, when you host a national championship, I mean, you know, we there's there's all opportunities here, and then the Big Ten tournament. So, um, we want to make sure that we're getting enough uh, enough. Uh, you know, wins under our belt as well to to feel good about our tennis and and also uh, to to manage the long haul of the season. Yeah, it, that the term hidden duel will always be my favorite. It sounds like you're trying to hide something. It's like, well, that we're, we're totally <laughs> hiding. We're hiding two dates is what we're doing. Yeah, <laughs> one of my favorite phrases. Uh, um, but yeah, you, you talk about giving a bunch of different guys uh, chances to play. You've played 10 different players in singles. You've worked out, I think it's five, six different doubles combinations. Uh, is that a testament to maybe the parity between the guys in your lineup? Is that, as you mentioned, just you experimenting because you can? Uh, what is, you know, because, you know, by April, uh, by May, you want to have your six guys. You want to know who you're rocking and where you're rocking them. But why have you taken this approach early in the season, give all of these guys uh, chances throughout the lineup? We're just figuring out chemistry, you know, and, uh, you know, what, what doubles teams can look good on paper and they complement each other. You know, once you get on the court, it's it's so different than practice. You know, you see guys getting louder or getting quieter, and then who they're playing next to, and you know who who's able to elevate each other as teammates. Uh, you, you can't really, you know, you can't do a red and white scrimmage and, and still have that feeling of of nerves and overcoming it and the deuce points. So, you know, can guys hit a big serve uh, down deuce, you know, uh, down a break point, or you know, come up with a, a good second serve return and get in behind it and double? There's there's all these variables that you can't ever really replicate in practice, and we try to, but it's never the same. I don't care who you're playing. And, and you know, every team is competitive, and when regardless of the opponent's ranking, they've got players, and you're going to get to 30-all, and you're going to get to deuce, and sometimes when you know you're supposed to win a match, it, that's even harder. So it, it's fun to see the guys really either step up or struggle, and then they got to fight their way through it. So... 
these first few matches have been really good. We've learned a little bit more about our team, and and uh, that Princeton match was tough, and I and I know we're a lot better after playing that team, and and so uh, we got two more opportunities coming up, and uh, you know I still don't know my lineup yet, so we're gonna we got one more day, and and then we're gonna figure it out. I'm sure you are in the same position as many coaches right now, Coach Westerman, trying to figure out what lineups they want to go with. Are, are you a servant? You, you mentioned the servant volley, seeing all the different things. Are you a servant volley guy in doubles? Uh, me personally? Yeah. You know, and, I once you know, was. I once general. was, but because my backhand <laughs> was so bad, I couldn't hit it. So I better get to net before I hit more than one backhand. So, um, but, uh, you know, the guys, it's really, uh, you know, indoor doubles. You, you, you want to play aggressively. There's there's a way to serve and volley, and there's still a way to play aggressive doubles without doing it. Maybe you you kind of you have your formations, and then you find a way to hit a plus one ball, and then you get to the net. So uh, it also depends who you're playing. So we are going to try to take over the net. We are going to try to get get in behind some returns. That that is kind of overall philosophy. But you know, uh, indoor tennis, uh, if you're if you're standing too far back, uh, you're going to get eaten up by the, some of these great teams because they're they're hitting the ball big and they're coming in. So. Um, it's hard to do something all the time because if you're doing something all the time, they're going to prepare for it. So you got to keep the guys guessing. I like that. How does your experience as a former you know, player, not only for Wisconsin, but you've been in those big moments, and I suppose you never played deuce points because back in the day there was ad scoring, but how do you rely on your experience as a player to help communicate with your team nowadays? Well, you know, I, I think you just know what, what they're feeling in their shoes and our associate head coach, Alex Kasaroff, with me. I mean, he, we're both Badgers. He was my teammate. I coached them. We, uh, you know, we had to sometimes be tougher than our than our level. You know, we I, I think we both overachieved as individuals um, because I think we were we were willing to to play some of the tough tough moments and 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 be excited and try to be a great teammate. Maybe get louder and more emotional than than uh, some of us would like. You know, but. Um, we we were tough out there, and that's what we're trying to teach these guys what what it really means to be a Badger, and and uh, so I think I like to think that our guys really it's a really big bonus for the guys on our team to have two guys that have been up Bascom Hill, have have you know gone to the library, have uh, enjoyed Madison as well, and understand that there is a balance of school tennis and and your social life here, and you really could do it all here between the football games and. And, and, you know, meeting as many people as you can in your four years, you, that is also part of it. And I think we, we understand that. And we got to give them those opportunities to, to win a hunker down and, and give them a weekend off. So uh, I think they appreciate our perspective a lot. And, and I, I don't know another coaching staff that has, uh, you know, uh, two, uh, two alumni as, as their coaches. Uh, you know, I guess the Bucks do. I'm trying to think as a, as a, out loud, you know, the Buckeyes, maybe, maybe TCU. So, um, Ooh, but you, you're, you're the tennis nerd, man. What, who, who are the coaches out there that have both played for, uh, for the school that they're working at? Well, let me just say, A, I've never been more flattered to be called a nerd in my life. That's a title I've been working for. But B, and I say this affectionately, that's a question for the true college tennis nerd, Bobby Knight. I know you listen to these podcasts. I need another tweet from you. Give me the all-alumni pairings uh, for coaches out there. I, off the top of my head, I was going to say Ohio State makes sense. Uh, Roditi, obviously at TCU, but uh, Pedroso, no, was Duke. Stanford, I don't know who their assistant is. Uh, head coach, yes. Um, ooh, so I think Stanford. Um, 
I know Brett Messi coached at USC, but I don't think he played there. No, he was nowhere near good enough to play for USC. <laughs> Your words, not mine. Um, yeah. uh, Dancer went to Michigan State, not Illinois. Huh. Again, Bobby, this is a great question for you. Uh, so well, I, know, um, I know, I know, Billy Martin obviously played for UCLA, but mm-hmm. um, I, don't, I think this could be this could be a good little stat to to, to drum up. You know, I'm, yeah, I may have to throw it at. Uh, I'll definitely have to throw it out at people at the indoors. Just start feeling, feel or see uh, how some of these coaches respond if they know as well. If they're going to be like, they ask their assistant, "Where'd you go?" Um, and just see, you know, how that relationship is. But for your team this year, uh, you talk about your relationship with the guys. Uh, it's a, we mentioned this earlier. A lot of returning players. Only one senior on the team in Chase Colton. So you know, you're going to get to see a lot of these guys again next year. That being said, uh, focusing now, you know, in the immediate are there initial goals for your team this season, you know, qualifying for the NCAA tournament, doing certain things in the Big Ten? Uh, what are you hoping your Badgers are able to accomplish this year? You know, I, I think I think there's you got to have goals that to, to strive for excellence. I mean, when when you play, if you play at Wisconsin and you you know you work here, you're trying to win Big Ten titles. Um, you know, um, but realistically, I think you know we also have to have. Uh, um, you know, uh, goals that every year we're hoping to make the NCAA tournament. We feel like we could be a top four team in the Big Ten. And, and if you're in the semifinals in the Big Ten tournament like we were a couple of years ago, I mean, you do have the belief to win the whole thing. Is it a tall order? Of course. But uh, this is why we're also having this national championship. We, we don't want to just be a good host and, and roll the balls out and, and uh, show, show people uh, a good time in Madison. We're, we're here to compete. So um, I think that's the best part of, uh, of sports, right? I mean, you want to you know, throw it out there but and give your best shot to, to the top teams. But uh, there's nothing more motivating for me. But realistically, I think, you know, if we can be an NCAA tournament team and be in the top four, I think we'll achieve a lot of goals and, uh, you know, and also build off that with, with so many guys returning from last year. And, again, Chase has done a great job leading this team and, and, and hopefully catapulting us to, to another, another uh, you know, step in the right direction the following year. Yeah, and I mentioned that 10-12 and 12 record last year. That's a bit deceiving because I know you guys had five 4-3 losses, and I know I don't need to remind you, but the three in a row, Minnesota, Pepperdine, Iowa, I mean, you flip one of those, you're 500. You flip two of them, you know, you're now over 500 for the season. Uh, how do those experience from last year that, you know, coming up short in those 4-3 occasions, is that you feel your team particularly hungry this year? You know, how is the chemistry amongst the group? I think the guys are, are are chomping at the bit. You know, sorry to be the, use the cliche, but they they we had a team meeting at the end of last year. I mean, they they saw how close we were, and and that's what makes college tennis so fun right now is the parity. And and I also think that we we know when we do have these opportunities when you're in two all, you know, three all, and you're looking at the scoreboard, it, it's time to step up. You know, where no one's going to give you anything. You need to step up and. You know, and, and and pop a serve and pop a forehand and get to the net and, and take the initiative and, and and you know and sometimes you need to be willing to hit the ball down the middle 10, 15 times if you have to and put your running shoes on. So it, it is, it, you don't know how to handle those situations till you've been in them. And you know, you mentioned uh, those four three those four three losses, those three in a row. We get that first one against Minnesota, which by the way we actually had a dual match point. Oscar had a volley that he missed inside out. You know, and he hit a, you know, that missed by an inch to, to win the match. So, you know, those, uh, those, those matches 
change of season and a couple of years ago it was again Minnesota early in the Big Ten season that we won at their place and you know you could see both teams go opposite directions so it is those are critical moments and we've learned a lot and we're going to have a lot of guys in the lineup that have been in those situations so hopefully uh, we've, we've learned a little something about those. Yeah, I can only imagine what that does. And you use the term chomping at the bit. I think the cliche is appropriate. I think it's going to be really fun to watch you guys competing at the National Indoors. I want to end with a rapid-fire segment, but last serious question for you guys. And I like to ask this whenever we talk to teams that have to deal with weather, particularly snow throughout much of the early portion of their years. You know, that keeps you guys indoors for a lot of the season. And I'm curious, from your coaching perspective, perspective how you approach that how you balance the fact you know you, you want to get in as many outdoor matches as many outdoor uh, practices as possible you talked about going to Miami in the beginning of the year uh, this season uh, how do you know the weather you guys have to deal with in Wisconsin how do you adjust to keep your guys ready for the outdoor portion of the year we just crank the heat up indoors so, <laughs> no we uh, you know we go outside in January we're gonna we went to, on spring break to, to Pepperdine last year in LA, and which is home for me, so that was really cool and, and show them a little bit of something different. But uh, you know, and then we're going to go to Dallas for about half of spring break this year, um, in the middle of the Big Ten season, and, and get some outdoor tennis there. But uh, you, you you try to find the bits and pieces that you can, and and then also you 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 work hard indoors to to keep your consistency up too. You don't just rely on on Plan A. You gotta you gotta practice some some longer points, but. Uh, you know, at the end of the year, the, the Big Ten tournament is generally outside, and you're going to play some important duels outside. And if you want to do well in the NCAA tournament, you need to be comfortable, you know, having some longer rallies outdoors, and, and which we will. We, we will be. But, uh, you know, uh, the, the one advantage of playing indoors is, you know, you, you, can, you can play quickly, you know, if you want to, and you do develop those skills to come forward, which sometimes outdoors, uh, you know, you uh, rely on, uh, you know, just being a, being a little bit more of a counterpuncher. So there's, there's pros and cons. It's how you're going to look at it and, and how you're going to deal with the conditions for sure. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I will never get a college tennis head coaching job. I feel pretty comfortable saying that. But what I would do to your team is there's that, you know, lovely pond right outside of Nielsen, right, where the fountain goes off when it's summer or whatever. And I, I would just say you're tanking practice in January. You're dipping in that pond. Like I want you to run. You're jumping in. You're coming back. That's your freaking punishment. I'm going to write that down. I'm going to use that. You know, the, the student-athlete welfare will go out the window, but, you know, we might have to try that. I just feel like, guys, if you can handle these conditions, we're going to be fine come NCAAs. Trust me. Uh, yeah, so I love it. But all right, in that spirit, then, there's one last thing I want to do with you. It's our rapid-fire segment I like to do with all of the coaches. I have a lot of time on my hands, and so some crazy thoughts crossed my mind, a lot of them college tennis related. I have some changes I would like to suggest if you're willing to be entertained. All right, Westoff, give me a rapid fire sound effect, please. All right, let's start with, we'll go from, I'll, I'll warm you up. So I, I think the coin toss can go. I just think the guys should be competing the moment they step on the court. I think there should just be some sort of competitive aspect for the fans to grab a hold of. So I have two solutions to replace the coin toss with. A, rock, paper, scissors on all six courts. I want to be in the team meeting, Coach, where you're like, guys, we know the Buckeyes throw paper 60% of the time. Like, if you're not throwing scissors, you're running on Monday. Uh, I think that could be entertaining. And, like, all six courts win rock, paper, scissors. Crowd goes nuts. Or B, 
we have either the assistant or the head coach, whichever wants to play, play a point against the other team's assistant and head coach. The winner of that point gets to decide the serving arrangements on all of the courts. Good idea or bad idea, coach? I, we got to get the coaches involved for sure. For sure, the players would love it. You know, and if it's a one-point tournament, you just hit two first serves. Uh, you know, and, and and hope for the best, especially if you're indoors, right? Yeah, I could I could not agree more. Now I. I'll just throw him under the bus. Sam Paul of UNC, he was like, well, I'm not doing it, but if Tripp can do it, like, yeah, I'm down. Um, so for you, would you play that point? You know, I'm a lefty indoors. I think I'm good for one. I'm still good for one <laughs> point if I'm serving. So if I'm returning, I, I got no chance. So serving, I like my shot. I'm just saying it would be a fun way. I think uh, I think the court, uh, I think the fans would enjoy it. The teams would enjoy it. Now, of course, when you, you lose and you're like, sorry, guys, you're returning on all six courts, then maybe that next day that's a little less fun. Well, then you spin it and say, hey, we, we want to get the nerves out. You don't want to start serving right away. But <laughs> yeah. that's right, so. You can say, yeah, I tanked the point, guys. Trust me. Uh, no, that's funny. Um, all right. You had got the chance to experience both ad and no ad scoring. This isn't a change, but I'm just curious. What do you think of the no ad format? You know, I think it makes it exciting. I think, you know, I think anything that, that can create more parity and more stressful moments during a match, I think it also lends itself towards uh, better development. I think I still think the better teams are winning. I don't see any kind of crazy Cinderella runs. It's not like college basketball, and I think if we could be more like college basketball, I don't think it would be that bad for actually for our sport. You know, I think that's why people love that that you know uh, college basketball in March so much. So, uh, but you know, the best teams are still winning. You know, you get a few more upsets here and there, but I think that makes everyone tougher down the road. But uh, you know, I think the fan engagement. I, I have never, I haven't heard any. Anybody say, you know, I'm not coming to uh, a college match because of no ad. I, we're getting on TV. There's so many positives. We're in the in a shorter time window. And, you know, and I, quite frankly, was, was in the room with, with a lot of those meetings on the operating committee. So I've heard all the arguments. And um, I think we've all adapted pretty well to it. Yeah, I, I would agree with that. But, all right, speaking of things you'd have to adapt to, now let's get radical. Um, now comes the fun stuff. We'll start with less controversial substitutions. Uh, they do it in world team tennis. We do it in club tennis. Do you, you know, the idea of uh, keep the the same three doubles lineups uh, or three doubles flights, six singles flights, but you get each player is allowed to play twice uh, during the singles portion. So let's say you have a blowout win at one singles. To reward you, you can then take that one singles player and have him go play five, have him go play six, whatever you want to do, get him back out there and incentivize, you know, the best players to keep playing. Uh, and you add that element of uh, just the substitution aspect. Would you be a fan of that or no? Well, I'd be like a closer in a pitch, you know, in a pitching to bring in a big lefty. You know, I think we've always talked about how, how do we uh, how do we keep uh, keep all our players engaged throughout the whole match. I mean, if you can find a way to to include it somehow, like World Team Tennis does, or you know, or club tennis, I think it could be really exciting if we throw a whole other level of, of coaching. We're, we're analyzing everything, you know, uh, you know, between UTRs and matchups and all that stuff nowadays. So uh, it could be fun, you know, but I, I, I haven't heard a, a great way to do it yet. So um, I would love it because I think more guys could get to get a chance to play and, and you could recruit differently, you recruit some bombers, you know. Yeah, imagine John Zordani just coming in to clinch a match. You're just like, hey. We need you. I, I need four big serves here. Jay Z, you know, man, he was uh, the the biggest uh, the, the the biggest guy on the team, but he was the uh, 
the biggest grinder on the team as well. But he, <laughs> he, he can lace a serve here and there, but then he's got to follow it up. So uh, I love that you threw Jay-Z in there. He's going to get a kick out of this. Yeah, I like that as well. Uh, yeah, all right. I will put more thought into how we execute the substitutions. That's the next part of this project. All right, my last one for you. Uh, I would argue that the call aspects, the hooking, one might affectionately call it, is part of the fun of college tennis. It's part of the drama as a fan. You know, I don't have anything on the line, so when when something like that happens, when the intensity rises, I get a kick out of it. But there's no doubt that college tennis would probably be better served if that sort of thing was removed for the game. So my idea to combat hooking, rather than have it just be on an individual court-by-court basis, should any player on a team get overruled by the line judge not only does that player get a point penalty but every one of his teammates still on court also get a point penalty the reason you do this it incentivizes you know teammates holding one another accountable you know if on court one you know is influenced let's say he's down 30 40 the other guy gets a point penalty he gets broken loses the match you know he's coming into the locker room saying dude what are you doing like this has to stop you're screwing all of us i think it it would it's, it's serious and it gives a lot of power to the line judge to influence matches but it takes something you know that extreme i think to get rid of something as extreme as the the close calls that occur. So what do you think of that idea, Coach? I actually love it. I really love it. I, you know, I've never made a bad call in my life in four years of college. That's for <laughs> sure. You could ask anybody around. So, but uh, you might get, you know, I think uh, you get a few Big Ten coaches that have been around when I was playing. They, they might think otherwise, but I don't <laughs> think so. Uh, but, uh, you know, I, I think, I don't think... I think most of the time people are all trying to do the right thing and your competitiveness takes over. The reason I say that I never made a bad call, you know, even my teammates in practice said uh, that I'm calling terrible calls, but I wanted to win the game. And your eyes, because your heart is so into it, your eyes really sometimes make some mistakes. So, you know, um, I think most teams are all doing the best job they can. But, you know, name another sport where you got 18 to 22, 23-year-olds, you know, calling their own lines for the success of their team. That's a tough position to put these kids in. So um, I think I think there has to be – the penalty has to be – has to be greater than you basically have two freebies before you get penalized. Um, I, I think you're almost encouraging some some teams and, and some players to say, oh, I'm going to take a shot here. And uh, and I think that's what is, you know, uh, hurting things. I mean, we're, we're trying. We're trying to get some replay going. I think that's the future. We did install it in our facility. And, you know, we're, we're just, we just got it in. It won't be in for the national team indoors because we don't have it on 12 courts. But um, I, I think the technology is also the, the real way to do it. But I think uh, most teams don't have the, the opportunity to have that. And, and I think a, a team penalty is a fantastic idea. I would be all for it. Yeah, I agree. Technology would certainly be the most efficient solution out of this to have the play site review on every court. But you're right, that's just really logistically difficult to do. So, yeah, the the team accountability aspect. I mean, you know, you imagine there should it be bad enough. And you're right, nobody – well, I don't want to say nobody, but – you're, it's out of a desire to win. You want you're so caught up in the moment. That's when these calls occur. Um, but the idea of you know a team meeting afterwards, where it's just like, hey, dude, like you, you, this isn't going to fly anymore. Uh, that's the only sort of thing I could see to where it's if it's your own teammates who are saying, hey, you got to stop doing this. That's the only time maybe someone would be like, you're right. Like I am really. I, it's not just me. You know, it's not my reputation. It's everyone I'm screwing. Uh, so. 
That's why I, wholeheartedly, I enjoyed that too. I wholeheartedly agree. It's always about the players. When the players hold each other accountable, that's what the best teams have in the country. So um, I think that it, I think this is the first time I've heard something like this, and I honestly I think it's fantastic. All right. Well, all I'm saying is I've been waiting for years to have the equivalent of the Rooney Rule be the Gruskin Rule. So I'm just saying, uh, you know, feel free to throw me naming rights, I suppose. Um, But Coach Westerman, thank you so much for taking the time to come on the Cracked Interviews podcast. I said it at the top. I'll say it again. I cannot wait for our Cracked Rackets team to come up to Madison to get to watch the six, you know, 16 of the top teams in the country compete for the year's first national championship. Good luck to you and your team as you prepare. And seriously, uh, thank you so much again for coming on. And thank you. And, you know, I'm excited to have you guys up here. And, you know, thank you guys. Like I said before we got on the air, you know, you guys do a fantastic job for college tennis and tennis as a whole. And, you know, uh, you guys are really fun to follow. And it's really giving, uh, you know, our players an avenue of, you know, promoting their game and, and really telling the stories behind uh, a fantastic sport and fantastic players. And, and I think we have some pretty good coaches, too. So thank you for everything you guys do. It's a, it's a ton of effort. And it's a lot of fun. And, and when you guys get up here, I'll, uh, you know, in some downtime, I'll show you guys around, too. We'll, we'll get a chance to maybe uh, enjoy enjoy some of Madison. So, all right. Uh, I haven't had a cheese curd in too long, Coach, so I'm looking forward to it. Or a spotted cow. The curds and the spotted cows are on you. I know a place or two in here that you, that can get you going, all right? <laughs> all right. I appreciate it, Coach. Take care. All right, man. Take care. See you. I hope you enjoyed our conversation with Wisconsin men's tennis head coach Danny Westerman. The coach is really quite the character, so we had a lot of fun in that conversation. And, again, I cannot tell you how much we at Cracked Rackets are looking forward to heading to Wisconsin to cover the national indoors at the men's event. We were there last year as well, so it's going to be really fun to see Coach Westerman, all of these coaches we've talked to on our College Contender Series in person, try and get some scoops while we're there as well, do some reporting. Of course, we'll have podcasts for you each and every day. So really looking forward to that. Of course, before we get to that, we've got a lot of other fun news on the Cracked Rackets front. We will be in Chicago this weekend for the Women's National Indoors event. That's my first Women's National Indoors I'll be attending, so really excited for that, As and of course, we'll have a ton of content for you on that front. Podcasts, social media, interviews, videos, all the different things you'll be able to find on our website, Crack Rackets, or Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, YouTube. Again, same account names at Crack Rackets, so thrilled for that. Thrilled to be heading to the Kentucky Open to do some play-by-play coverage for the 100K Women's event there. I know CeCe Bellis, they've announced i believe Jeannie bouchard they've announced in the field as well so it's music to my ears and hopefully we'll be able to get sit down interviews with all of those people we will be doing the play-by-play as well so gonna be a, a really fun time here at crack rackets we'll have a ton of content coming your way and in the spirit of all of this content uh, we were really excited to announce as we've mentioned earlier in the week we are launching a patreon a subscriber feed for you listeners who enjoy our content who maybe want to hear a little bit more even um Things such as uncensored podcasts, you want to hear me swear, all of that fun stuff and more. I wrote my first two pieces since going full-time here at Cracked Rackets, which is another exciting development, I suppose, on the front being in Indy. It's been very fun just to dive right headfirst into the tennis. Uh, Hopefully, you know, if you are a Patreon subscriber, you'll be able to see those before they're released. You'll get early looks at podcasts, uh, a lot of fun things on that Patreon uh, account. So we ask if you are a fan of this. Of course, we want to do this full-time. The reason we ask for the Patreon 
Patreon. So we can do things like go to the Kentucky Open, go to these national indoors, be on site at tournaments. Uh, you know, those sorts of things cost money. So, you know, in order for us to get these sorts of interviews that we hope to be providing you guys over the future, uh, we do ask that you get involved. And of course, when you're it's a Patreon, it's a commitment to you, the listeners, to you, the subscribers, that our content will continue uh, to, you know, we'll continue to produce at the same rate we have, if not more so. So we promise it will be well worth your while. And of course, if you have any feedbacks, comments, criticisms, things you'd like to see from our Patreon, please just let us know on social media at Cracked Rackets. You can contact all of us. Contact me personally at Great Shot Podcast. I'd give you my phone number, but Dalton would get me in trouble. And I actually, the thing is, if I give you my phone number, Dalton will then hear it on one of these podcasts. And I've done so well to avoid giving Dalton my phone number over the past three years. So please, he bothers me enough, that is. Don't let him get my cell phone as well. Just subscribe to the Patreon. Get it all out of the way. I want to give a shout out, of course, to our friends at Aerobar, at Diadem Tennis Aerobar, the first tennis-specific energy bar. Uh, it, it, not going to melt in your bag. It's going to taste delicious no matter where you bring it. And so you want to have uh, that, of course, with you. Uh, so be sure to go to their website. Check it out. Use our promo code CRACKED30 to get 30% off your first order of Aerobars for Diadem Tennis. We've talked about it all the way. The most important decision you can make on a court, the racket you are using. And we think our friends at Diadem have the rackets for you. You use our promo code CR50. You will get 50% off uh, each and every one of your orders from Diadem. So come on. Too good of a deal. Go take advantage of that right now. Someone I always take advantage of are super producers, Max Flieger and Daniel Westoff, who have a f*** of an editing job to do as always. And we'll keep them busy. Again, we are going to be in three different places over these next 10 days. Content galore. We hope you all look forward to that. But for my wonderful guest, University of Wisconsin men's tennis head coach, Danny Westerman, who... We cannot thank enough for coming on the podcast for my super producers, Max Flinger, Daniel Westoff, our podcast sponsors, Aerobar and Diadem Tennis, and of course, all of us here at both Crack Rackets and the Tennis Channel Podcast Network. I'm your host, Alex Truskin. We'll see you all next time. Thanks, everyone. Hey, hey, hey.